Happy Holidays from the DSR Network. We are deeply appreciative of our members and the year that we've had. To celebrate the holiday season, we are offering a 50% discount on either your first month or first year of membership. Members enjoy an ad-free listening experience, bonus content for virtually all of our shows, an invitation to the members-only Slack community, and more. Best of all, if you become a member in the month of December, you can take 50% off the membership price for the first month or for the first year. Visit thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and enter code DSRHOLIDAY at checkout. That's thedsrnetwork.com slash buy and code DSRHOLIDAY. Thank you very much for your support. Hello and welcome to the DSR Daily. I'm David Rothkopf, one of your hosts, joined by Chris Cottonwire, another one. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing well, thank you. And Riley Fessler, another great host. How are you doing, Riley? Doing well. It's Christmas week, holiday week. I know the number one story for most of you listening is you haven't finished your shopping. You've got things to do. That's why we'll try to keep this news summary and analytical overlay kind of quick go ahead chris um so president biden is expressing frustration over his uh low approval slash uh latest poll numbers um and while i am certainly uh not putting tons of stock in polls um you know especially given the analysis that we frequently bring you with our friend Simon Rosenberg, it is concerning that Joe Biden himself seems to be uh, saying that his messaging on the economy um, does not seem to be resonating, despite the fact that we have strong economic and uh, strong unemployment numbers. Um, So yeah, I mean, I'm I continue to go and and have social, you know, engagements with my friends. And for whatever reason, these smart, intelligent people just do not support Joe Biden. And, you know, we're getting closer to the fact that despite Trump's legal issues and all the other things that are swirling around him, we are looking at a Biden-Trump rematch. And yeah, I'm not feeling as good today um, as I was a couple of weeks ago when things were looking a little bit more rosy from the poll side of things. Maybe you can make us feel a little bit better about this, David. Yeah, well, Merry Christmas to you. Um, You know, I mean, that's not a very cheerful story. Look, can you imagine if you're Joe Biden? Like, you become president. You do more than any other president in 60 years. You pass big legislation. You turn the economy around. All the economists are like, oh, no, you can't do that. It's going to lead to a crash. And it doesn't. You're right. They're wrong. Unemployment, um, record lows. Employment, record highs. Inflation, falling. uh, People's lives getting better. Competitiveness issues addressed. We're building a chip industry. We're doing, and and all of a sudden, every day you get up and you look at the polls, and it's like lagging. Now, this happens a lot. And we've seen this a lot, and as we've pointed out on the podcast, 
those polls are often wrong. Um, but it must be pretty darn frustrating. That said, the stakes are so high that I'm frankly not disappointed that it's frustrating. I'm frankly not disappointed that he's lighting a fire under his team because this is one of those elections where, um, you know, the only thing you can do is more than enough. You know, you've got to do everything in your power um, because the alternative to Joe Biden is so horrible. And are they communicating as well as they could? No. Is that exclusively their fault? No. It's also the fault of the media for not picking up on the stories. It's the fault of the the, the Fox side of the media for lying about it. Um, it's the fault of, of listeners for not, uh, you know, audience members, not you, our listeners who are especially smart, but um, audience members out there in the world for, uh, you know, voters for not... Um, uh, uh, sort of doing their due diligence and seeing what's really going on. But the economy is going to continue to get better through next year. And there have been some recent polls that have shown that Biden, uh, Biden's work is being more and more appreciated. And there are other issues that drive this election besides the approval rating of Joe Biden, like issues like Roe v. Wade and the Republican efforts to carve away at fundamental rights. So uh, I wouldn't be pessimistic about 2024. And by the way, all of our podcasts this week are going to be looks ahead at 2024. So what I would advise, Chris, is you should listen to our podcasts. I suspect they will make you feel better. Um, and uh, uh, if they don't, I suspect the outcomes in 2024 will make you feel better. Um, but Having said that, there's a bit of hard news I have to deliver. If you've got friends who aren't voting for Biden, dump them. You don't want friends like that. Riley? Well, a good news story, or at least one that made me smile, but you know who's not smiling is America's Mayor Rudy Giuliani, who will have to pay $148 million over false election claims. Uh, a federal jury ruled that he would have to pay this amount to two election workers as part of a defamation lawsuit. The jury asserted that he subjected them to a life-altering amount of abuse and trauma as a result of his claims that they stole the election from Trump in Georgia. The amount was a shocker, given that the two had sought only $48 million. Giuliani's attorney warned jurors that a penalty of this magnitude could be, quote, the end for the former mayor, which... I mean, don't threaten me with a good time. Sounds like a good deal to me. Um, he's the f he's the first of Trump's accomplices to face a jury verdict like this, um, which is not a good sign for him because he's facing more charges in Georgia. And he still showed no remorse after this, uh, telling reporters outside the courthouse that the entire thing was absurd, and he falsely claimed that he had not been allowed to offer one single piece of evidence in defense, which is, of course, not true. So... Another good news, another uh, piece of good news for accountability for the whole stop the steal bullshit. Bullshit. If I had one of those soundboards, like a real life radio station, I would just hit the Cry Me a River button right now. We'd be listening to Cry Me a River, the song. Because, you know, too bad, Rudy. You know, um, fuck around, find out. Um, and that's exactly what's happened to the guy. 
Interestingly, Barb McQuaid, one of our regular guests and friends, has pointed out uh, in media stories about this, that um, this is a kind of ruling that you can't get out of by declaring bankruptcy. In other words, even if you declare bankruptcy, they can come after you for all your money. He doesn't have $148 million. He will never have $148 million. But um, these two women will be in charge of his bank account for the remainder of his life. And, you know, that was a choice. He made that choice. You shouldn't feel sorry for him. He decided that the law wouldn't apply to him and that he could say whatever he wanted and that poor people don't matter. And here's the reality. Rudy, Rudy is, is, is going to be of limited means for the rest of his life. Um, uh, but he said he didn't care, by the way. I saw another story where he said money is the root of all evil. And, uh, uh, is sort of uh, uh, kind of a spiritual stance that we've never seen from him. Uh, Chris? A hacking group accused by Iran of having links to Israel disrupted petrol stations, also known as gas stations here in the United States. Uh, in Tehran, it, it's, it was said to have impacted 70% of uh, petrol stations and speculation uh, though they, the group Predatory Sparrow, who allegedly is responsible for the attack. Predatory, predatory Sparrow? Predatory Sparrow. Wow. Um, you can add that to the names uh, of the likes of uh, like Cozy Bear and... Fancy Bear. You know, uh, fancy, fancy Bear, Cozy, whatever the heck we were dealing with back in the day. Um, Israel's not commented on the cyber attack. I'm shocked that they actually have time to, uh, to launch such attacks if they are in fact involved. Um, just another interesting story in the land of foreign policy where much has been happening over the past two months. That's true. And as you look forward to 2024, the one thing you got to keep in mind is we don't control what happens in the rest of the world, despite what many people think. And those things can come home to roost uh, for uh, our uh, um, politics. Um, and of course, they have their own consequences. Uh, I'm sure we do not have a story today, for example, on Sudan, but it is going south uh, in in the worst possible way. That is going to be a terrible um, story. There are other stories like that, um, and we'll track them as we as we do, uh, probably later this week. Riley, keeping the focus on the Middle East and actually Iran and its allies, we've talked a bit on this show and some of our others about the attacks in the Red Sea by Houthi militants um, on ships, uh, and we're starting to see a pretty severe cost in terms of shipping on that front. Um, multiple freight companies, some of the some of the largest ones in the world, are now having to go around Africa rather than through the Suez Canal because of these attacks. There was another attack where multiple projectiles were fired were fired from Houthi-controlled territory today uh, toward a vessel. So now we're just kind of seeing all these companies just go around to avoid the problem entirely. Um, which is pretty massive given that 15% of world's shipping traffic travels through the Suez Canal. 
Um, it's projected to raise costs as well as cause significant delays. One expert projected that it would cause delays through the end of the month and could have cascading effects through February. So I think it's an effect of the conflict that you know maybe isn't getting as much press, but shows that this is this has serious implications beyond just Israel and Gaza. No question about it, and there's no you know we we still haven't dodged the bullet of regional escalation. Uh, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan was in the region, flying around, meeting with leaders throughout the region, um, and. Uh, uh, still trying to keep a lid on things and also work on how do we get from here to a settlement uh, with regard to um, uh, Palestinians and moving forward towards two-state solution. And Baby Netanyahu is continuing to suggest he wants no part of that. So tensions will grow. Let me ask you a question, Riley. Do you also have friends who are not going to vote for Biden? Not that I know of. But I, I hope I hope that they've all seen the light. How can we help Chris here? I mean, you know, you just you know, I mean, Chris, you know, I think a membership to the DSR network could help. That's Chris an excellent idea. You. What about giving your friends access to real news and analysis, Chris? I try. I tried that, and yeah, and didn't, they went and didn't, didn't respond. Take. To it? No. That's no, because they made they, these people made up their minds in 2020 that Biden was not the right person, and Look, for whatever have, reason, if I have a friend, I mean, if I don't have a, fr- a friend of mine is not listening to DSR Network, they're not my friend. I mean, it's a you have friends, sense. you have friends that are voting for John, Donald Trump. No, I don't. You don't know it, but you do. I d- no, I don't. I don't have. First of all. The way I avoid this is I don't have friends, but, um, you know, because there's always a risk, you know, that there's a bad apple in there, but I don't know. Literally, I literally do not. And, and, you know, people are listening and they're going, that's the problem with America. People live inside their bubble. They don't get out. They don't talk to people. I'm sure I accidentally talk to people who are going to vote for Trump, but when I'm choosing the people I want to be around, I don't choose them. And when I'm raising people up, like like little, you know, my children or their families, they are raised not to believe in this kind of stuff. They believe in truth and facts and you know morality and values and stuff like that. Um, I, w- I will say I don't know anyone voting for Trump, but I do actually know a couple people who are not going to vote for either and are going to either vote for third party or not. not that vote, is a vote, which, for which is Trump. also bad. That's yep. a vote for Trump. That's- that's what I've I've tried to drill into them. But you know what I would suggest? I think it's working. Get a taser. <laughs> the minute they start saying this shit, zap them. See see if they stick with it. I'll just just clockwork orange. Yeah, keep their eyes open on exactly. a on a Biden nice. campaign videos for hours. Nice on reference to a movie that predated you by a lot. See, I've got some I've got some cultural bona fides. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Look at that. Okay, Chris, do you have some story to defend yourself for your bad choice of friends? No, I don't. But I, I can't help but wonder <laughs> if the leaders of China just sit around a room and say, how can we fuck with Taiwan today? And the latest was, let's fly you know, those balloons that we flew across the United States of America uh, into Taiwan. And while it's unclear whether, the, whether those balloons were used 
for spying or for weather or whatever the hell these Chinese folk are are launching balloons in the sky for um, seems unnecessary to me to continue to to fuck with Taiwan uh, for simply the sake of fucking with Taiwan. Wow. Um, that is the kind of foreign policy analysis people pay extra money five <laughs> to be a member here. Um, let me tell you a couple things. I was speaking to a former very senior U.S. government official who was in China for the last two weeks. Um, and I also met with some Chinese officials in the past couple of days. Their focus is on their economy. Their focus is on the fact that there is a real estate bubble that's likely to burst, that the economy is slowing down, um, and that um, the growth that they thought would be a stabilizer in their country uh, is not coming for now. They're not going to invade anybody uh, for the near term. They're going to focus on this issue. They are there. If you get them behind closed doors, they're, they acknowledge that there are problems to be solved and that they are happier to have some kind of open, stable relationship with the United States. Their whole system is based on global economic stability uh, and their ability to participate in the global economy. An attack on Taiwan, which produces the vast majority of the world's chips, would absolutely shut down the global economy. So I don't expect it in the next couple of years. Uh, they will continue to treat Taiwan as part of mainland China because they believe that's what's going to happen. And now I'm going to say the thing that people don't expect to hear on a podcast um, from somebody who's been dealing with China as long as I have. And I made my first trip to China in 1989 in the weeks before the Tiananmen Square uprising. And I lived there during that period. Um, Taiwan's going to ultimately become part of China again. And there may not be a war. And the United States is not going to go to war to defend Taiwan. And this is not going to happen soon. But 10 or 15 or 20 years from now, Taiwan will be part of the PRC. Um, now, the PRC may not look anything like the PRC does now. And there may be all sorts of reforms and upheaval within the P PRC. But that's the big story. The big story is how can the PRC maintain stability in the face of all of the internal challenges it faces, and what will it do in that regard, and will any big change be produced? The Taiwan issue is secondary, I think, and that's not a very popular view. Um, but you know, I, I you know I just tell you I just tell you what I think, and you can take it. Or you can leave it. Okay, let's see. Both of you just don't want to. You don't want to take it or leave it. So, Riley, you probably have another story. Yes, and it's keeping with the theme of playing stupid games and winning stupid prizes. Yeah. Uh, this time with Elon Musk's X, which answers the question: How quickly can we kill one of the most recognizable companies in the world? The EU has announced a formal investigation into X this morning uh, for failure to counter illicit content and disinformation, a lack of transparency around advertising, and deceptive design practices. So this is significant for a couple of reasons. One is it is the 
biggest regulatory consequence for X really so far, but it's also the first time the EU is using the new authority from its Digital Services Act, which gives regulators a lot of new powers to force social media companies to police their platforms. Um, so they started a preliminar- preliminary investigation in October around kind of hate speech on the platform after October 7th attacks. But under the act, companies can face fines up to 6% of global revenue, which seems like a lot to me, uh, although X's revenue is cratered, so it might not be as much as it once was. I'll tell you what, 6% of our global revenue is not that much. <laughs> we, we could handle it. But you gotta you gotta enjoy when you know Elon gets his his comeuppance. Um, I, I still you know I'm one of those folks that you know just cockeyed optimist believes that he's going to do so much damage that at some point people are going to go okay, let's get him out of the picture here. Well, I you know he'll force him to sell it for pennies on the dollar or or uh, uh, the the people he's borrowed money from force a change, but. You know, maybe that won't happen, uh, which is why I, you know, also promote on threads as we do, right? I mean, we promote our stuff on X, Twitter, threads, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook for the olds, um, and um, Instagram, right? I mean, so we, you know, we're not, we're not, we're not counting on X being around forever. Although, you know, like a lot of us, I've spent many years there, and so I built up a big audience, and it would take years and years to build it up someplace else. So I feel I'm more invested in X than Elon does. Yeah, that's probably right. Plus, Elon doesn't really give a shit about X. Like, hate to break it to people, he doesn't care about the money. One of the big hard things to come to realize. You know, when you're a kid, you think when you grow up, grown-ups are a different breed. They First of all, they know how to lead life. And secondly, you know, then they get into positions of power. They're there by virtue of some quality. And then you grow up and you realize grown-ups are struggling to live their lives just like anybody else all the time, their whole lives. And the people in positions of power are often jerks um, who don't deserve to be there who've gotten there for bad reasons. And Elon is definitely one of those people. You got anything else you want to add today, Chris? No, no, thanks. No, you got anything else you want to add today, Riley? I I think I'll leave it there. Okay, well, we'll leave it there, folks. Um, We'll be here all week. We've got a bunch of podcasts looking ahead at 2024. All week. Next week is Archive Week, the best of DSR. So you can tune in and listen to some of our immortal classics. Um, But uh, uh, during the remainder of this week, you'll get the daily. And uh, uh, obviously, if during the week between Christmas and New Year's, anything really big happens, then we'll come back on the air to talk about it because we will not leave you in the lurch. We really um, recognize that our relationship with our listeners is a sacred trust. Right, Riley? That's right, David. Exactly right. Right, Chris? That's correct. 100%. That's correct. A sacred trust. Uh, And with that, we leave you for now. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Riley. Thank you, everybody, for listening.